Let's bring in Christina Campmani joining us to talk about the number and the overall backdrop here. Senior Portfolio Manager covering global debt at Invesco. Christina, good morning. Welcome back. Good morning, Oliver. Great to see you. Thank you. Same to you. So what do you think about this figure? Surprising? Um, you know what? It's a really strong number, and we've continued to see really robust um, labor growth in the U.S., and I think it keeps the Fed on track, as we've known. I think the question from here is, what does the market do, and how does the market narrative change? Because we really have been flip-flopping between this global growth concerns and inflationary concerns, and there's a bit of a divergence there between the inflationary concerns in the U.S., especially, which are running very hot. And I think last month's CPI print highlighted that versus some of the weaker growth concerns coming out of Europe with potential gas shutdown and certainly China and the broader market. So are we like in a lose-lose right now where if the uh, economy does slow down, earnings slow down, and if the economy still has enough strength to justify hikes, then we have uh, risk assets repricing lower. I mean, uh, <laughs> Is there a winning scenario here? It does seem the here? market is asymmetric, asymmetric in many senses, right? Yeah. Um, the dollar, you guys were talking about the dollar, and it's exactly right. Like, the dollar seems to strengthen in, in every scenario here. We are strengthening the dollar when um, inflation is higher, and it's clear that the Fed is going to do more. When there's global concerns about growth and recessionary risks, the dollar is also strengthening, and of course, it's a trending market. But some of these moves in the market certainly seem asymmetric to the data and information flow we're getting. Why do you think uh, the dollar and bond yields have been so uh, linked? Uh, generally, if the dollar moves, we can expect that with time, yields will follow. Uh, bonds also see, always seem to be a little bit slower, though, but eventually yields get there. What do you make of that relationship? Yeah, I mean, there definitely has been a breakdown here. And, and again, I think the dollar is a trending market and the marginal player in the market seems to be setting the trend here. So across, against DM currencies, yes, it's a harder case. Dollar strength has been on the basis of policy divergence versus Europe and a question of how much can the ECB really deliver. And the BOJ, with the one standout market there that in central bank that hasn't moved away from very accommodative policy and YCC. Um, do you get a shift there? So versus some of these DM currencies, you can understand some of the dollar strength. Versus some of our EM currencies, things really look overblown, um, especially commodity-linked currencies, um, the Chilean peso, Colombian peso, Brazilian real. They've had massive moves in the last few weeks and it's really been asymmetric. Like you've seen the a much larger move on the downside with commodity weakness in this last couple of weeks um, as you've had these global growth concerns. But we didn't really see that equivalent strength in those currencies when we had um, copper and other commodities doing very well earlier mm. in the year. So there you go again, or there's kind of a seemingly like sort of catch-22 here where when the uh, commodities uh, move upwards, there's uh, uh, maybe some inflation pressure, and then when we move downwards, we've got uh, a recession uh, risk. You know, there's been a lot of uh, kind of debate about whether or not we should call this a recession, even if we do get to negative quarters. We've had some yes. volatile the technical readings. recession. Is a technical recession a real recession? Yeah, yeah. does this number uh, basically tell us that it should be nothing more than a technical? I mean, like, what's the bar for an employment print uh, that makes sense uh, during a recession period? Yeah, you know, I think 
to, to have employment at just trend growth to keep unemployment rate steady in the US, you only need around 100,000 payroll creation a month. Mm. We're clearly running well in excess of that, but we're coming off a very not normal um, traditional period with COVID. So right now the labor market is strong. Could we be in a technical recession? Could we still print a technical recession with second quarter? Absolutely. Does that change the path of the Fed? I'm not sure it does in the short term because the Fed has committed. They're very concerned about inflation. And right now it's not just the Fed's core PCE, which is their traditional favored measure, right? Powell and others have introduced inflation expectations. Umish obviously caused a lot of head, uh, a lot of kind of eyebrow raising in the market last month. So they're looking across the board at all of these indicators and what drives us from here. So I, I think the path for the Fed continues for a period, certainly the 75 in July, which Bostic and others have given another nod to, 50 potentially in September. And then we see from there. Um, but to have enough, you either have to have enough slowdown in the inflation data, which may just take time to get, or confirmation of some weakness in growth in the U.S. And from a labor market, um, that's probably a couple of months of very even flat employment, and we're not there. Mm. <laughs> Is there a um, level of uh, inflation that you think will cause them to change that tone because even if we do peak out you know what level do we peak to is there uh an area that's so high that uh, powell and co can feel comfortable with i mean what will they need to see to drop from that 75 down to 50 because we've got a couple months uh, right we're gonna have a month without a meeting so there's potential here for the inflation situation to simmer by the time september comes around what kind of number do you think we should be seeing on cpi for them to say we don't need to do 75 anymore so again, expectations have gotten very elevated. We had a 1% uh, print month on month in CPI last month. The market consensus is looking for the same thing in, um, in next week's print. Um, but from here, again, I don't think it's we can get the slowdown in inflation data quickly enough. I just think it's a matter of what is the follow through and what can the Fed do, do with it? Mm. Um, and, it and, and I think what you guys were discussing earlier about um, your co-host was mentioning that the the rates markets have been range bound. And it's true, rates markets have been range bound, but they've been incredibly volatile markets. In the course of June alone, we round tripped almost 100 basis point moves in US rates, in European rates, in sterling rates. And I mean, those are very large ranges when you're talking about your base rate is 2%. <laughs> So, and it's not a 100 basis point move one way. It's been a 75 to 100 basis point move higher that we were 100% focused on inflation, a 100% turnaround that we're focused on growth. And now this data, and presumably let's see what we get from inflation next week, we're selling off a little bit. And, and we do think that rates should be biased higher in the US and we will be contained in the range Perhaps we probably will test 350 again. Will we push higher? It, it'll kind of depend on as we've gotten all of these aggressive hikes from the Fed, what is the feed through, right? Like we're getting hikes so quickly. How does the market digest that in real terms? And what is the economic activity? Mm. In Europe, it's a little bit more questionable. How much can the ECB deliver? And 
we're less convinced that we will retest those highs. We priced bond yields, 10-year bonds in Europe, from zero, from negative 50, not long ago, within the last year, to 175 basis points. And we've moved back down to around 1%. I mean, these are very, very large moves. So Europe, we're less convinced that we'll retest those highs. U.S., we think we probably will. Okay. All right. Love that, because we're getting pretty close. Uh, bonds didn't get too far uh, over the last uh, couple of weeks, even as they did rally. So it looks like we're ready to make a push back towards that high uh, for rates in the 10-year. Christina, thanks for that perspective. Helpful for us to, as uh, a good reminder, too, of just how extreme these moves have been uh, with the bias for that extremity to the upside here in the U.S. Thanks a lot. Good to see you. Of course. Thanks so much. Sure thing. Christina Kent Manning, Senior Portfolio Manager covering global debt at Invesco.